welcome to The Catch. My name is Michael Adams. I'm your host. and I'm joined by my co-host, John Rahimi. Hola. What's up, Mike? <laughs> you know, we're doing well, doing well on this good, good, warm weather Saturday afternoon. It's going to get about 80 here, so I'm pretty excited. Oof. But yeah, you know, we're one week into The Catch. This is episode number two for the podcast. Things are starting to kind of come together. It's been awesome getting all this feedback from everyone and just the inflow of feedback has just been overwhelmingly positive and just been super joyful to hear and honestly just be able to partake in it with everyone. Yeah, it's been super humbling. I mean, we've been doing this for one week and I open my phone up on the weekend to get all these texts from people and it's like, wow, did not expect people to really uh, find this that great. And they do. They're really, and it's kind of humbling because you realize just how little we know and know what we're doing, but God can do some pretty amazing things with us. <laughs> exactly. It's the whole idea of the, the Lord has already taken into account your stupidity. You know, he's already, uh, he's already bringing that to fruition. But um, no, yeah, honestly, I think John and I kind of just wanted to start this podcast before we got into everything, just saying thank you to everyone, the people who gave faith, feedback, um, the people who didn't and just read the articles or joined Bible studies or, or just listening to the podcasts. Or even if you're just listening and watching us on social media, um, even that's been extremely fruitful for us to see and um, has really been served some good motivation and some good sustenance for us to keep going and lets us know that, you know, what we're doing is worthwhile. And yeah, I think we just want to kind of start with a thank you to you guys. You guys mean the world to us. And this has just been such a fun journey already. It's only been a week, so we're excited to see where it goes. It's going to be amazing. We're pumped. Yeah. And I think, I would just like to give a, a quick thank you to um, my buddy. I'm pretty sure he doesn't actually listen to our podcast or do anything with us, but uh, Charlie Romano, who I've known for quite some time, he wrote the the intro music to the podcast and it was a whole fiasco trying to get it made and <laughs> went through several different iterations and some late nights trying to figure out what to do with it. But I would pose a challenge to our everyone who's listening. If you can, I don't know, email us or text us because I think most of our listeners are our friends and have our numbers. Shoot us a text and tell us if you know what the, what the melody is from. It's a very famous melody and you probably heard it a few weeks ago. But that's hint, my, nudge, my, nudge. <laughs> my only hint. But yeah, there will be a prize maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll find a prize. Yeah, we, uh, we'll have uh, Monica Kuljek. She'll do a custom visual for you. She's getting into the whole drawing and everything. So if anyone can guess that right, custom visual from Monica. She doesn't know we're doing this deal, but she'll be on board. She'll find out. We already said it. We can't take it back. Um, But yeah, if you don't have our number, email us. Our email is thecatchcc at gmail.com. So yeah, we'll look forward to hearing from you guys. Hopefully hopefully one of you guys gets it. Um, Yeah, it kind of segues into, you know, we're talking about our listeners and most of our listeners. for good, bad, or indifferent, are part of a certain part of the church. They're part of a certain body of the church. Hmm, what body is that? The laity. Um, yeah, smooth transition into our topic for the day. Uh, we're going to be talking about the laity, both what the call of the lady is, what their role in the church is, um, also some of the struggles that the lady goes goes under, uh, especially like in living in, within the secular world. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just kind of to get the ball rolling. Like there's a statistic that I recently read um, that I really wanted to kind of hit home at first. Um, it's, it's, it's a statistic that actually broke my heart. Um, 
And it's that 75% of Catholics skip mass. Mm. Um, that number was far higher than I imagined it would be. Yeah. So that's just kind of heartbreaking, but I wanted to kind of bring that up because one of the reasons I think a lot of Catholics skip mass is because they let their secular duties run their life and it almost gets mm. in the way of them being able to practice their faith fully. Uh, I know in my own life with like prayer or whatever thing, ever, anything else, it's really that in my head, I say I'm too busy because I have school or I'm too busy because I have to go to this family party or I have to go take care of this other duty. And because of that, I need to put prayer on the back burner. And I imagine that's what a lot of people within like the church also do with mass. It's like, Hey, I have kids. Mm. My kids, I don't, my kids can't sit through mass for an hour. Or, you know, I have been working all week. Like, this is the one day I get to sleep in. Like, mm -hmm. I can't do this. Like, I'll pray or something. But Mass, you know, it's just too much to ask. Like, I just don't have that hour to give for whatever reason. But I imagine that's what a lot of fellow lady are actually thinking in these moments is, you know, I'd love to. I'd love to go to Mass, but I just don't have the time. Yeah. And, I mean, some of your motivations there were probably better than mine. I was thinking sometimes when I put prayer in the back burner, it's because oh man, there's like three more YouTube videos that I want to watch and I'd have to watch them right now. I can't, can't possibly be bothered to go pray right now. And then it slips away from you. But yeah, and I remember there was someone I was talking to when I was in high school. Uh, I was on the phone with them and it was a Sunday. I missed their call because I was at mass and I called them back and they told me, oh, yeah, that's nice. We wish we could have gone to mass too, but you know, just didn't make it this week. And I was like, huh, I never heard that before. I kind of, you know, I went to a small Catholic high school and grew up in a Catholic family. So that was like, not really something that was known to me. Most people just went to mass and that was how it was. But hearing that from someone that, yeah, we wanted to, but we just, yeah, didn't happen this week. was like, it didn't happen. Well, why not? <laughs> That was like the first time I ever like started to question like, why would someone not go to mass? Um, but I think you're right. Those are, those are all very like relevant things that come up in our lives, especially with families, with kids who have sports and uh, whatever, which is a whole nother topic I'm not going to get into right now, but right. Like Sundays have kind of uh, become a different day for people. They're not so much the day for prayer or, you know, recollection and giving a day to God, but it's kind of like uh, other things have come in. So yeah, it's interesting that the statistic is so high. It's sad. You're right. But yeah, it is what it is though. You can't change, you can't change that right now. Um, just can hope that for the future, that 75% lowers down to zero or <laughs> yeah, zero. That's the only goal. <laughs> the only goal. Um, but yeah, talking just about like the secular duties, I think sometimes even people who are very devout, like Christians, very devout Catholics, whatever they may be, I think oftentimes there is this still fight between the faith and their secular duties. Mm. Um, they feel like they have to kind of choose almost one or the other. Like if I'm going to be a good Christian and yeah. do all of these Christian works and participate in my parish and all these things, then that's all I should do and I should not have a job my job should be within the church. Yeah. Or I think that even sometimes um, I've heard of a couple of friends who have parents who are very deep within the ministry of the church, 
And because of that, they almost lose the importance aspect of being a parent and living within the family first mm-hmm. because they feel that their number one priority should only be within the church and then that their mm-hmm. family actually comes secondary. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to bring up, honestly, just how does the lady go about balancing work? How do they balance family? How do they balance faith? How do they go about that? I know you and I had a conversation earlier this uh, year, you, me, and our good friend, Mick Best, shout out to Mike, um, about how our our culture really values the holy hour, you know, time in front of the Eucharist, which I find to be extremely moving and beautiful. But one thing that you guys said to me that kind of stuck with me was my call to prayer and my call to holiness is not going to look the same as the call to prayer and the call to holiness that I see in some of my friends that are priests, that are seminarians, or just that are single within the church, you know? My path is going to be different if I have a family, if I have a wife, right. if I'm working a full-time job. So that's something I wanted to bring up so you had to think about that. Yeah, and I think um, this is a good point of meditation for all of us because, right, what is the lady? I think sometimes it gets confused of uh, who the lady actually is. Um, so just to clarify that point um, from a beautiful church document from the Second Vatican Council. Uh, This is called Lumen Gentium. It was the church's document on the church, like what the church is. So it breaks it down. And in their chapter on the lady, they say the lady is understood to mean all the faithful, except those in holy orders and those who belong to a religious state approved by the church. Right. So this means every single baptized Christian who is not a priest or religious. So right now, that means you and I, like just because I'm a seminarian or you know, other seminarians or whatever, they are not excused. They're not like, well, I'm a baby priest. Like, no, you're not. You're still part of the laity. You still have an obligation to do this stuff. Right? So by virtue of our baptism, we are brought into the body of Christ. And that imposes certain duties on us. Right? This is not like uh, the common thing you hear where people tell you, you know, when you get confirmed, that's when this all starts, right? You've, you've become a Catholic adult. You've graduated. That is a load of baloney. Okay. Like I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> when you are baptized, you're given the fullness of the Holy spirit. You share in Christ's priesthood in his kingship and his role as a prophet. Okay. So all of these things are there. So as members of the lady, we need to work into all three of those offices. Our role as priests, our role as kings, and our role as prophets, right? So each one of those plays a very, very important role in, in what we're doing. Um, and just one other point, too, that the, the Vatican, Second Vatican Council, in one of their other documents on the lay apostolate, which is basically like your role in going out into the world, they make a point that, like you were just saying, Michael, we cannot separate our union with Christ from our ordinary life. They're not two separate things, right? The Christian has one conscience, Christian conscience. That's it. There's no like, oh, this is my ordinary life one. It's my work life one. And this is my, my faith one. No, they have to be one. Exactly. It actually kind of made me want to bring up a piece of scripture that I was reading uh, last week um, in prayer from Colossians, um, Colossians chapter three, verse mm. 17. It is, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for the, giving thanks to God, the father through him. Um, 
and honestly, just like in prayer to me, it was just kind of like, I was thinking about this topic. I was thinking about the laity. Um, yeah, it says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, in word or in deed. It didn't say like, okay, in your parish, do the things in the name of the Lord, or in some things, do things in the name of the Lord. No, do everything in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Um, like, do your work in the office in the name of the Lord. Like, whether you're working in like a big finance firm or you're working in your like your parish office, um, yeah. it doesn't separate that. Like, everything is in fact offered to the Lord through the, like through the laity and through the secular life. Um, I think it's hard when we have like these titles, like we have the secular life and we have the spiritual life. Right. I think having those titles almost does more damage because naturally we try to separate them. When in mm-hmm. reality, the call is that those would be in union and those would be one and the same. Yep. And I think that's a beautiful line from scripture and it gets right at the heart of what, what is, how do you live out the priesthood as a non uh, ordained minister? Right. We talk about offering, we talk about offering it up. You hear that phrase all the time. Uh, I heard it growing up all the time. My friends tell me all the time, just offer it up or I'm offering this up for you, which is beautiful. But what does that mean? Right. It means offering a spiritual sacrifice to God through Christ. Okay. So we've, just talked about this. We've been incorporated into the body of Christ. So we're part of that body. So all of our offerings are going through him as baptized. Um, We need to be conscious of that while we're doing it. Right. But this is how you live it out. Right. And offering your work in the spirit to God, the father through Christ, this is how you exercise your role as a priest. Um, Right. We do this in mass when we offer our hearts in union with Christ in the Eucharist. That's how we're doing it in mass. But when we do it, in the workplace, being attentive to, I'm offering this in my poverty, in my uh, patience, right, to God, so that he can make this fruitful. And what's the point of all this, right, is that the mission of the church is to share in Christ's mission, his salvific mission to bring all things to himself, to the Father, right? This is the ascension. He asked the apostles, go out, Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations, but it's not like just so you can make them for, for here, for earth, but it's rather to bring them to him. And what is he doing after he does this? He ascends to heaven. Okay. He goes up. So he is drawing all of those to himself to raise them up. So our mission then is to do the same in the church. And as the lady, this is what we're doing. Um, right, the documents talk about uh, the goal of the apostolate being to bring the spirit of the gospel to the world so as to permeate and improve the temporal order, right? Permeate. I think a, a good way of looking at this in terms of like, right, salvation history and just our faith is the image of Mary, right? Uh, I think of like the word and like we're impregnating the culture with the spirit, right? Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit and Christ was grew within her, right? So for us, the lady then to do the same, right? To bring the spirit into the culture, to impregnate the spirit there so it would become fruitful and bear life for the world to save it. Like that's, that's what we're doing. Exactly. Um, you bring up a really cool point there of we're doing this within the world. You know, we are, our call is to do this within the world and how you unique of a position that puts us in as laity, because we're able to actually go into bits and crevices of the world that the priests and the religious can't actually get to, you know, no one's going to come into my office, my public work office on a Tuesday afternoon and come give a sermon or come give a homily about who Jesus is and why the Catholic church is beautiful and all of these things. And no one's going to be like actually in the office evangelizing. 
but the laity actually have the unique position to be able to position themselves in a way to be able to invest in others mm-hmm. and to be able to be that living example of what Christianity is. Because in the office, I don't know, in my office, I think of last summer, uh, my, my coworkers knew pretty dang well that I was Christian and they knew pretty dang well that I was Catholic. Um, so really the responsibility lied on my shoulder of what are they going to think the Catholic church is? What are they going to think that Christianity is? I'm going to be one of their probably very few encounters with what it is personally in the next few years. So however I live my life is how they are going to view the church. Mm -hmm. If I live mine unauthentically and I say one thing and do the other, they're going to see that and they're going to think that my, okay, why is this faith worthwhile? Why -hmm. is this real? If he's not doing anything about it, you know, it's my, it's, it's my position and my call to actually live that faith out in a public way so that they would seem like, oh man, like, yeah, there is something different about Michael. Like, he really believes what he's saying. Like, he says he's Catholic or he's Christian. I'm like, okay, like, he really believes that. Like, that's awesome. Even if I don't agree, I can see that. I can see the authenticity in his faith, that there's something in there within his heart. Yeah, and this is, right, the, the whole idea of, of witness, right? That our witness is important. Um, but it's not just witness, um, at least if you think of witness as just, I live my life and other people just passively see it. It's a passive kind of thing, right? Like we, this doesn't work. <laughs> um, or you think of Acts of the Apostles, there, the passage where Philip is, well, I think he's walking along the way and um, there is an Ethiopian eunuch who's kind of just chilling and reading the scriptures. And right, Philip then goes to him, he actively goes to him. He doesn't just walk by and think like, well, you know, He'll see me and be like, dang, like, who's that guy? I want to be like him. Like, no, 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 you've got to go and engage that person. So, but you have to live authentically, right? Because if you engage them and you're not living authentically, nothing is going to happen here. They're going to be confused and it's probably not going to work out as we wanted to. Um, Honestly, it's the biggest turnoff. It is the biggest turnoff. As someone who has had somewhat of a refining of my faith in the past couple of years, I remember like when I first kind of like redove into my faith, it is the most unattractive thing when people are over fluffy and over bubbly about it. Like I, I want the, I want the real you. And if the real you is religious and Christian, beautiful. If that's not the real you, don't try and fake it because mm-hmm. I'm going to see through that. And yeah. honestly, it's going to make the faith less attractive. Um, we always talk in like college ministry, like how do we get people like actually invested in the church? Yeah. And it always starts off by first, it starts with authentic friendship. Yep. Kind of buzzword, authentic friendship. It has to be real. Um, And there's a story that I'm reminded of between Ignatius of Loyola and St. Francis Xavier, Mm. actually, when they were in college together. um, And we all know Ignatius to have started the Jesuits. And um, he's still a baller. He's still a baller. No, he is honestly incredible. His writings, um, his discernment methods, everything is really beautiful from him. But when they were in college, Ignatius and St. Francis Xavier, although both saints were not on the same, same wavelength, like they were not both like these two fantastic Catholic men, like living out the faith, super invested, already living out like their sainthood, essentially in college. They weren't. Um, and specifically, Ignatius had already kind of started this within his own heart. He had already had this beautiful relationship with Jesus. Um, and St. Francis Xavier was the one who was kind of lacking. He didn't really have that relationship. He really was like, you know, what's the big deal here? I don't really see the big deal. Not my circus, not my monkey, not my problem. Um, but Ignatius being the good friend that he was, invested in 
St. Francis of Xavier until St. Francis of Xavier kind of witnessed within that relationship between the two of them and within the way that Ignatius was living his life, like, okay, like maybe there actually is something here. Um, and maybe th- there's actually something there for me. Like maybe mm-hmm. this is what I'm actually called to. And it wasn't by Ignatius just constantly saying, Hey, are you okay? Like, are we still good here? Like, are you still Christian or like, Hey, like, are you sure you don't want to come to like my Bible study? Are you sure you don't want to come to this X, Y, Z thing? It was more Ignatius invested in every single aspect of St. Francis of Xavier, every aspect of his life, whether it was stuff that Ignatius liked or didn't like, mm-hmm. he invested wholeheartedly. And before St. Francis of Xavier loved Jesus and loved his faith, he knew that Ignatius loved him. And yeah. I, I don't know the story perfectly, but I would almost argue that Francis of Xavier encountered the love of Jesus through Ignatius, through the ways that Ignatius invested in every aspect of his life, whether it was sports, whether it was church, whether it was work, literally anything. I think that he probably encountered like, okay, if Ignatius loves me like this, mm-hmm. how much more does God the Father love me? Exactly. Right. Like that is a hundred percent true. I'd, I'd, put, I'd, put, I'd put money on that bet, right? That happened. Um, I'll get to heaven one day and find out that's not what happened, but that's okay. Uh, but right, this reminds me of, I think it's in Ephesians chapter one, um, Paul's writing and he's talking about like God wants each and every person, right? So what you were just talking about there with Ignatius, like he's diving into every aspect of him and then Francis Xavier encounters that love of God for him, recognizing, oh, like someone desires me. And then that desire draws me back out of myself to that person. Um, but this is such a key thing for us as lady and then just for every, every baptized person is that knowing that God wants every single person, whether you're baptized or not, to be holy. But it's important for us as baptized to know that because if we don't know that and we don't really believe that and live out of that, what is the point of going out and evangelizing the culture? There's no point in doing it if we don't really believe that. Um, and this is just like so important that this is the Vatican council, the, the catechism you read through these, the key thing that keeps coming up is that this is God's will. Um, and it's an active will. It's not passive. It's not just sitting back and doing nothing. It is one that constantly is coming after people. Um, and this is where we talk about like, the universal call to holiness. Um, that's where this whole idea is, is coming from. And it's not by, right. We get, mixed up, I think, sometimes thinking that we need to, it's all about doing things, right? That like by virtue of our works, um, like God will want me to be saved. Like God will want me to be holy um, and then be drawn into heaven with him. Like, no, 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 right? God already wants you to be. From the foundation of the world, God has wanted you and me to be holy, to be with him, to live this life with him. So it's already part of his design. You don't need to like earn it or do anything doesn't mean you don't have to do anything, but you don't have to earn it. That's not the attitude we need to have. It's the attitude of I'm now giving from what I've received, right? Reception versus like this kind of grasping and control uh, thing that we all like to do a lot. Um, But also just another thing too, sorry, this beautiful idea of like joy, right? Because I would wager that Francis Xavier saw joy in Ignatius, right? And not this kind of fluffy happiness thing, but like real authentic joy from knowing this truth. 
No, exactly. And honestly, kind of goes back to our first podcast on friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, our circles of friendship, how do we invest in those around us? And we talked about how you can't just invest in three people and that's it. Like, there has to be some sort of outreach. And that is also the call of the lady of that outreach. And we right. see that in Ignatius. Like, he wasn't just friends with the people who were devout Christians or devout Catholics. Like, he saw Francis of Xavier and saw that, like, okay, maybe he's not living out the way I think he should but it doesn't change the way I'm going to invest in him. I can still have that relationship with him. And because Ignatius is like circle, his most inner circle was Jesus. He was able to invite Francis of Xavier into that circle and to encounter Jesus through yep. that. Um, which I just think is incredibly beautiful and moving. Right. And the um, kind of what we said in the beginning of this, that these things aren't separate, right? Our, our knowing who we are and, this joy, this love, this, this friendship with Christ and with others, one that's rooted in faith, it's not separate from our ordinary life, our work life, uh, our family life, whatever, a secular life, you want to call it that, not separate. Um, that Christ says uh, during the Last Supper in John's Gospel, I think it's in the 15th chapter, he's talking about the vine and the branches, right? If you're cut off from the vine, you're dead. <laughs> like, the leaf dies, right? You don't, the branch is dead and it gets cut away. So we need to have this right, intimate union with Christ, right? this deeply rooted life in prayer. It's not gonna look the same uh, as everyone else. And this gets the whole other thing of, um, if you wanna be authentic, you need to be you, <laughs> which is, sounds kind of like, oh, just be your best self, like whatever. Okay, what does that mean? It means that God has given you gifts and he's given you gifts. And he's given that other person gifts, unique gifts to that person that are different and can be used for different things, right? But every single person has been given gifts so as to help accomplish this mission. So there's no excuse to say, well, that person's better at this than I am, right? If you're listening to this and thinking like, I could never do a podcast, fine, don't do a podcast, (laughs) do something else. God has given you something to evangelize someone or many people, but he's given you the gifts to do so. So there's no need to worry or to despair that I can never do anything. I'll never evangelize. Well, you can, but it needs to be rooted in Christ. And this is a lifelong thing, right? This is not just something that like one day it clicks and you're good to go for the rest of your life, but it's like, it's continual exercise, right? When you're, if you're running or you're training for a marathon, which I have never done and I will never do. Nope. Never. Don't count on us. There will never be a, the catch marathon. We just went on a hike yesterday and we did five miles. I haven't walked in like, two months, I was exhausted. So I'm not the best person, but I've seen other people train for marathons. So I know what I'm talking about. Um, But if you're running, right, there are periods when, right, you may need to take a rest and walk a little bit. But if you said, if you told people that you're going to be running and they see you walking, it would appear to them that you were not doing anything or you're not doing what you said you were doing. Right. So there are periods in our life when we might appear or we might feel like I'm not being as fruitful or as, um, efficacious as I would like to be, but you're taking that period to, to rest and to draw more deeply from that wellspring that is your relationship and that union with Christ. So then to go out and to continue to draw more in and make that progress that you were hoping for. Yeah. And I find that interesting too, that idea of like drawing into that relationship with Christ. Um, I think there's a really big problem within, not within the church, but within like the people of the church and especially within the lady of just comparison. Mm. Um, just, that big beast of comparing yourself to other lady 
or even like in my own heart, like I've experienced like comparing ourselves to religious or comparing ourselves to like the saints. Um, it's like, you think that you read about these people who have like these crazy prayer experiences, Yeah, you know, it's like, well, I've never had that prayer experience. So obviously my relationship with Christ isn't where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that's cool that St. Francis of Assisi like could pray like that, but like, that's not something that I will ever experience. Um, which I just kind of want to go off of is just a load of BS. Like, <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I've never experienced that to be fair. But also one thing I know is that that level of sanctity and holiness and that level of prayer, actually that level of relationship with Christ is not one reserved for the few. That's actually given to all of us. Like even the laity in our birthright and in like our baptismal rights, like is that relationship with Christ? Like it's mm. not something that we have to earn. It's not something that we like have to wait until Jesus is like, okay, now you deserve it. It's something that is actually our right and something that we can actually achieve and that we can actually grasp onto. Obviously it takes time and effort. Like it takes like a true intimate relationship with Christ developing over years and years and years, but it's not something that we have to look at. It's like, okay, here's this cool lofty prayer that St. Francis of Assisi or like St. Teresa Lisieux, like all these like great powerful saints we know. It's like, okay, there's a cool that they did that. But like, that's never going to be me. It's like, okay, maybe it won't be. That's not, it's, it's, and it's okay if it's not you, but also deep profound prayer is something that is actually given to all of us when we give of ourselves to Christ. It's kind of like that whole branch idea. Like, you know, if we're cut off from the tree, we can't receive anything. And right. if we can't receive anything, we can't go out and give it to others. Like we first have to be filled before we actually can go out to others. There's the whole idea of like stretching yourself then of just like giving and giving and giving without that actually taking time and receiving yourself. Because if you don't take the time to receive yourself, you're going to run dry. Mm-hmm. And eventually you're just going to wither and you're going to die either way. Cause you're just not going to have anything else to give. Yep. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to say that it's not something that you have to worry like, okay, I am, my only way to be a saint is through the religious or like the only way I can actually achieve holiness is like from being like this great Bishop. It's like, no, you can be holy just where you are. You can be holy within the family life. You can be holy within like your college life. You can be holy in high school. You can be holy as a single man or woman in your forties. Like it does not matter. Like that call to holiness and that call to sanctity is not reserved. And a quote I want to bring up from Pope Francis actually kind of goes off this is to be saints is not a privilege for the few, Mm. but a vocation for everyone. Um, I love the way that he used the word vocation there. Everyone gets, that's like a buzzword. Everyone's like, Oh, vocation. What are you doing? Are you going to be a priest? No. Okay. Who are you marrying? Like, it's always that. It's like (laughs) priest. No sister. No. Okay. Well then who's the lucky man or woman? Um, It's like, no, first, like our vocation beyond that is holiness. Like it first comes down, like we are called into a relationship with Christ. Uh, And that whole idea of like, you know, as a married man or married woman, or like as a single man or woman, like you can be a saint, like you can be an actual full-fledged saint. Um, Yeah. And I think the, right, these, these two images that are coming up, and I love what you just talked about there, but um, one, there's a line from this document that talks about, right, there's diversity of ministry, but unity of mission, right? So we're all trying to do the same thing here, Um, but there's the diversity there. and the images that pop into my mind, right, of this kind of that when you just empty yourself out constantly, but you don't draw, um, there's, I think it's Jeremiah 17. He's talking about this tree that is, it's got its roots 
deep in the water, but then he's got this contrasted image of the desert around, right? So if, if it were to remove its roots from the, that river of life, right, that stream, kind of think of it like baptism, that tree would die instantly. And I don't know about you, but I have never seen a dead tree bearing fruit. Like, no, I haven't. I can't say I have. Falling from the tree, hitting you in the head on the, on the walk when it's the middle of winter, like not happening. So, right, that image comes up. So just drink deeply. And then the second one is, right, Jesus talks about this parable of the talents. And he yells at the dude who just tucks his talent away and hides it and then says, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I knew you were a demanding master, so I just hid my talent and didn't, you know, make it bear fruit and grow. And he's like, yeah, I was a demanding one. And because of that, like, I'm going to punish you for that. I gave you this great gift and I expect you to do, to do something with it right? To give it to others, right? Gift is made to be given. So you need to go give it. And you didn't. But for us, right? So this is a call to, to stewardship. Uh, I'm a total nerd. So the example I think of is Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> he's laughing at me right now. Uh, Denethor is the steward of Gondor. I sound like such a nerd right now. My gosh, but it's awesome. A little bit. It's okay. He is the steward of Gondor, right? This incredible white city right it's seven levels it's enormous but when gandalf and pippin show up in the return of the king it's dead like the city is kind of you can see the grime on the walls it's become this kind of gross place it's you can see its luster has been lost because the steward was not good with his gifts that he's been given he's not good with the city he didn't manage it well he was just holed up in his tower and becoming this decrepit old man like not not bearing fruit, not uh, not vigorous in his mission to help others and to lead them. So for us, that's the goal here. Be good stewards of the gifts you've been given and ask the spirit in prayer. Ask Jesus, what are the gifts you've given me? If you don't know, ask and he will show you and they will look different. So there's no need to compare. Be thankful for the ones you've been given and then be good stewards, right? One guy got 10 talents. The other guy got five. The dude with five did not freak out about the dude who got 10. Bear fruit with what you have and you will see amazing results, right? This will lead to the salvation of the world. That's what we're talking about here. Yep. No, exactly. Um, yeah, it's a good way to close it out. Uh, really we're speaking to the laity here. There is a need for the laity. There's a need for heroes. Um, not only just like do your friends need you, but your offices, your workplaces need you, your parishes need you your parishes desperately needs you right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your family needs you. Like your wife needs you, your husband needs you, your kids need you. And even though it doesn't seem like it, your priests and your pastors need you. They Absolutely. need the laity. And in this time right now in the world that we live in, I almost feel like there's an even greater need for the laity to step up. There's such an attack on the secular world and it's such an attack on the family specifically mm-hmm. that, you know, we need to look to the laity for some of those answers. And it's going to be incredible to see over the next couple of years, how the laity actually stands up and how they actually fight for the church. Um, yeah. I'm just excited to see what comes of it. John, yeah. do you have anything else? Just say, let this be a word of encouragement for you. Like God is with you. He is with us always to the end of the age and he wants us to succeed. So stay close to him and you will do great things. Yep. righty. Well, As always, everyone, we will be praying for you. Please pray for us. Um, Again, if you have any questions, 
Uh, if you have any concerns or you have any recommendations for John and I, feel free to reach out. Uh, our email is thecatchcc at gmail.com. But besides that, hope you guys have a blessed week. Um, yeah, until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.